Good morning, I'm Steve uh, Rossi. For those who don't know, I'm a pastor here at the Gospel Tab. I'll be bringing the word, as is my honor and privilege here this morning. Um, for those online and for any here, welcome uh, to you all, um, especially you visitors. We're so happy you're with us. Um, if you guys can stand in honor of God's word and in honor of Jesus, um, I just want to honor him with you this morning, um, even in our standing, if that can be our heart posture, um, you know, as we consider what he, ju- as we just considered what he's done for us, and Jake brought that word, I'm just reminded of just how great, how wonderful, how beautiful Jesus is, right? I mean, all of this freedom, all of this favor uh, that we have from his presence, and his presence with and in us because of the cross. What a gift, you know. So I just want to meditate on that, on him with you and celebrate Jesus uh, this morning with you. Um, So let's just consider him right now. Lord, we just meditate on you. One thing we ask and that we seek right now that we have in common right now is to gaze upon your beauty, to dwell in your house forever, to meditate on you, Jesus, your person, your presence. You are here, Jesus. You are wonderful. You said where two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst. So we lift you up, Jesus, and we honor you even as you stand among us. Lord God, show us your glory. Full of grace and truth, would we realize that grace and truth this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stay standing for the reading of God's Word. And it should be on the screen. Here we go. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners in recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Um, You can be seated. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. (laughs) Um, How cool that we just sang that, that song about God's blessing, his favor. In this, the year of the Lord's favor. You know, in that day, just to give some context for what it was like in that day in the synagogue on the Sabbath, much like us, they had a regular order of service. And so uh, it was Jesus' custom to go there, but on that day, he was asked to preach and to choose the text. Now, when Jesus spoke this text... And I quoted it and said, This is fulfilled in your hearing. Not just the Jewish rabbis, but all 
those present who had grown up in that culture, in that day, having heard these, the law and the prophets every single week, all throughout their lives, would have known what he meant. For they knew that this passage was about the Messiah, the one who was to come. And so when Jesus said that it is fulfilled in your hearing, they knew that they knew what he meant by it. That he was claiming, I am the Messiah. There would be no question about that. And in verse 19, he says it was this, it's the, he quotes, it's the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the acceptable year of the Lord, they would have known to mean the year of Jubilee. And you may know the year of Jubilee was celebrated every 50 years. And so in that 50th year, they would observe a second day of rest, or excuse me, a second year of rest. And so it would be seven cycles of seven. That 49th year would be a Sabbath year where they let the land rest. And then in the 50th year, they would let the land rest again. So they would only do that once every 50 years for double rest, okay? And then also, it was a time of a cancellation of debts. It was a time of slaves being released from their masters and land being reverted back to, their origin, to its original owners. And so you can see the spiritual implications of what Jesus was saying here. Um, that the physical, if the physical foreshadowed the spiritual, what he was saying was the cancellation of debts, the forgiveness of sins. What he was saying was the double rest is, come to me, you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Joel said it last week, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, for I am gentle and lowly. And he talked about gentleness and what that means. Um, and slaves being released from their masters, that people spiritually are being released from the bondage of demonic oppression and set free to eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, this is our story. And really, in the meta-narrative or the big story in the macro sense of the story, we are in the year of the Lord's favor, right? We are in the year of the Lord's favor, the time between Christ's ascension and Christ's second coming. This is the spiritual year of the Lord's favor, that whosoever will, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, man or woman, that the hostility wall has been broken. What we remembered and celebrated today is that whosoever will believe on Jesus Christ and receive him shall be saved. Amen. This is the year of the Lord's favor. For whosoever will, it is that era. Amen. But in the micro sense, in the prophetic sense, in the kairos moment of the day in which we live, meaning the divine opportunity or time in which the kingdom of God is breaking into earth here and now, I believe God has a fresh right now word for us as he did then, which is that the spirit of the Lord is upon us, his church, because he's anointed us to preach good news to the poor, to set captives and prisoners free physically against systems that oppress people and spiritually against demons and other kinds of bondage that oppress people's souls. Amen? That he's come, that he's on us 
to transfer people by the power of the Holy Ghost through His finished work at the cross from darkness to the kingdom of light. That this is the time in which we live. And I believe in the prophetic sense, in the right now timing sense, that this is a fresh word. Let me elaborate. I'm going to do so through first-hand stories, because I feel like Jesus told me to do that. Um, it's so awesome. I was uh, talking with Michael before the service. There are so many stories coming out of this church and this movement that I can share, any, that so many people can get up here and share first-hand stories right now. It's so encouraging. I'm reminded of a ministry where, where a lot, the kingdom was just breaking through. It was a culture there of revival. And um, I didn't plan on sharing this, but I was just reminded of it. This is so good. And this is what God's doing here. People came to visit it from out of town because they were interested in joining in their mall ministry. Okay? And the, they came to the pastor and said, hey, we want to um, get connected to the mall ministry. We want to go out and pray for people at the mall. And he said, the mall ministry? He said, I don't know anything about a mall ministry. And the, the family was like, well, that's, you know, that's what we, that, we thought you guys had that. And he was like, no, we just have people who shop. And his point was, you hear all these stories about our people doing ministry and like releasing the kingdom in public spaces. But that's just the lifestyle here, you know. And that is what God is doing in our movement. Amen. And so, I want to share some stories with you. We are in a spiritual year of Jubilee marked by a movement of prayer and mission. And we are just on the beginning of this. This, this is just now breaking in on us, I believe. And we're entering a new season of this Luke 4.18 ministry. Unusual favor for supernatural signs, wonders, miracles. Unusual favor with pre-Christians. Did you hear what I said? Pre-Christians. People who don't yet know Christ. Who will encounter His love and come into eternal life. And so, um, years ago, some of you know this story, because uh, we've been in community together, some of us, for a long time. But years ago, um, I was seeing the numbers, the number two, sets of the number two everywhere. 222, 22-22, 22-22 military time. All, I would wake up at 2.22 a.m., and it happened in a concentrated six-month period of time. And um, I, I asked a mentor what they thought it might mean, and they said to me, oh, that's Isaiah 22-22. And let's just say they had a lot more faith for that than me. I was just like, okay, what? Like, how do you know that? Um, but you guys do know that there is a spiritual gift of interpretation. Um, but, you know, I was just like, I knew that, but I was just like, okay, well, Lord, you just confirm it. Like, I don't know. And, and then what do I do with it? Well, Isaiah 22, 22 means or, or says um, that whatever you open won't be shut and whatever you shut won't be open, and it has to do with divine authority given by God to man, okay? And so I was looking at that passage and, and wondering about if that was even the interpretation, and not a week later, we saw a post that our friend had a baby named Isaiah, and he was born at 2.22 a.m. Now the Lord had my attention. Uh, I was like, okay, Jackie, you were right. Uh, my mentor. Um, <laughs> now, anyway, so, um, so fast forward to this year, okay? Uh, it's February, 
I'm on vacation with my family, and I'm watching this. I'm like half asleep. It's in the morning. I'm looking at this local news app, and I see this night cam of an owl knock an eagle out of its nest. I thought, well, that's pretty like wild and unlikely. At least I would think so. Um, and so I showed my kids. I mean, we didn't think anything spiritual about it, certainly. We were just like enjoying this and thought it was funny. Not an hour later, we go to a conservation. And um, at that conservation, the first thing we see is an eagle in its own enclosed area and right next to it, an owl. And I'm like, God, are you saying something right now about this? You know, and maybe he wasn't. Maybe it was a coincidence. Um, you know, the eagle can represent... Uh, or is known to represent the ruler of the air, much like the lion in the jungle, right? Authority. Well, the owl knocks this eagle out of the nest, which is weird. Um, and I asked some friends what they thought um, about that, and one of them got back to me and said, hey, all week I've been, like, meditating on Daniel 2.22, which Daniel 2.22, Daniel 2.22 um, is about... Uh, Daniel receiving from God Nebuchadnezzar's dream supernaturally and its interpretation. Okay, so it was about dream life, and I felt like the Lord was speaking about dr the Lord releasing dreams to our people. That it would there would be an authority in what He spoke through dreams, and I have dreams often from the Lord, and so I release that. If you get some of you may remember that um, the last Sunday in February, I released that here in the. Franklin Avenue campus, just meaning that I prayed that you guys would have dreams. Well, you know, one of the things the Lord confirmed to me about that later, uh, one way he confirmed it was a lot of people started coming to me with their dreams. Uh, that was cool. Um, and I'll share more about that in a minute. But um, another way he confirmed it was when in 24-hour time period, um, I saw that an, eagle had, an eaglet had been hit by a car in Pittsburgh a giant eagle sign was being taken down in the region. And when I was at a friend's house, I saw the, a bottle on a shelf that said, Eagle Rare, and as I saw it, he said, Owls are vicious. I said, what did you just say? Now, he was talking about hunting, but Jesus was talking about something else, amen? And I just was like, just of course I was blown away, but then people started coming to me with dreams about multiplication, regionalization, generational transfer. And, um, and, so, and I was having dreams about these things as well and, and in our church and in our movement. And, um, and it, it's, it's been a very exciting time period. I want to share what some of those dreams are. Can I share some of those with you? about why I believe God is speaking Luke 4.18 right now. Um, so I'm just going to share some first-hand dreams. There's so many things I could share up here right now because of how God's moving. Um, but the first dream... Oh, um, no, I think that was it. All right. The first dream that I had uh, was I was at a concentration camp, and there was death all around me. A very dark dream. And uh, a woman called me onto a platform to register me at this camp. And as I stood before her, she fell back into a calm body of water behind her. And I just, I helped her up out of the water, and she fell back again. And then I helped her up again, and the next time she had tears coming down her face. And I said, do you know who Jesus is? You see, brothers and sisters, in a Luke 4.18 now season, um, 
the compassion of Christ, the love of Christ that compels us to view our per, uh, getting in before our persecutors as a gift, to give them Jesus in the face of suffering, is what God is after. I just recently heard someone say, the cup of joy and suffering is the same cup. This cup of love. Jesus said, you'll drink my cup. This is normal Christianity, right? And it's what God's after, but it only happens through love. And I'm sharing with her, ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. And so in the dream, I saw this as a gift. I saw this as an opportunity to reach one more, right? To reach one more. And how can you reach terrorists or persecutors of Christians but to be a prisoner like Paul was in the jail in Philippi? That's revival. <laughs> That's revival, brothers and sisters, right? It's not sitting in a room and worshiping and never leaving the room. When that happens, that's a wonderful thing. But it's for the mission, and God's releasing a prayer and a missional movement, right? The second dream, uh, these are very short. I, um, I woke up uh, hearing, and some of you who uh, have grown up in the church, you may have heard this song before. Um, I grew up uh, learning this song, but they rush on the cities, they run on the wall. Great is the army who carries out God's word. Now that's from Joel 2 where you see a, a whole picture of revival. You see weeping, wailing, and groaning that precedes revival. And you see God says, in these last days, the year of the Lord's favor, this time between His ascension, His ascension and second coming, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And what will the result be? But that great is the army who carries out His word. That people have faith for who God is and who they are in Christ to rush on the cities, to run on the walls, to be released. Amen? The last dream I had was, um, not the last dream, the third dream I'm sharing. <laughs> um, the, the third dream, um, just to give some context for, so for decades now, the one billion soul harvest has been prophesied about. Without going into all the ways in which um, prophetic leaders around the world are confirming that word and saying that this is upon us in these next decades, that this concentrated period of time in which people will come to faith, people, this spiritual awakening around the world. Guys, we're being swept into this right now. Joel has said that North America is really last in this um, that is happening in this third great awakening. I have this dream and my neighbor looks at me and says, one billion, a family of one, one billion people. And I woke up. And so another way in which God is confirming that he is sweeping us in to revival here in North America. And he's giving us divine intelligence about the season we're in. Now, great is the army who carries out God's word. Um, some of us might think, well, I don't really have the personality or the talents for the work of evangelism and carrying out God's word. Like, what can that look like for me? But I would suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that it's not predicated upon our personality or our talents, but rather on the anointing. 
And so it begs the question, I heard someone say about uh, worship leaders, they were like, we're not looking for talent or the coolest jeans. I think back then it was skinny jeans. Teenagers, I know that's out of style now. Um, but <laughs> uh, but um, she said, we're looking for the anointing. The anointing. And, um, and so it's whether or not we're anointed. It's for others of us, it might be, we might be on the other end of the spectrum in the natural, right? Where we might have this pushy personality or character defects that in fear, pride, and control want to fix and change people. And so we, we try to push them into our mold of what we think right living or right being is like, right? And so, but God is like saying, I'm not looking for your leadership in this. I'm looking for your help to cooperate with me in what I'm already doing in their lives. I love them so much, I laid down my life for them. I'm at work in their lives. Join, I've put you in their life. Join me in what I'm doing already in their lives. Partner with me. Wait on me and hear from me what it is I'm doing in their lives and join me in. I do want you to be part of it. But surrender the leadership to me. Can I share a couple more stories about mission this time? So before I go into that, I've mentioned prayer as part of the thing that the Lord is releasing, prayer and mission. Um, many people are travailing in prayer right now. I'm going to talk about prayer for a minute as it relates to mission, okay? Travailing in prayer, you may know, is to pray. I've talked about, I talked about this some a couple sermons of mine ago at the Franklin Avenue campus. So I realize many of you didn't hear me talk about it. But um, travailing in prayer is basically to pray by the Spirit in the compassion of Jesus for the liberation of sons and daughters. Okay? Romans, look at Romans 8 sometime. You'll see how the Holy Spirit groans. Um, in a 24-hour time period, three people came to me either asking about or sharing their experience of travailing prayer because God is, there's an increase in the intensity of His power, His Spirit the spirit of intercession in prayer. As recent as two weeks ago, um, I was at a public gathering out of town, a worship gathering out of town, and the power of God came on me like never before in my experience. And I was weeping and wailing and groaning on the floor. I think, I told Julie, I think at one point, snot went into my eye, my left eye. And um, as I, I was debriefing with her, the non-spiritual parts of this too, um, you know, Julie was Julie was looking away. I think like she didn't know who I was. Um, no, she's she's just she's so good. She knew to let God do what He was doing, actually. Um, and uh, and she might have been a little afraid of me in that moment. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but um, she so blesses my life. To um, she's such a partner with me in this you know, because this journey, so much of it, we've never done before. It's like not what we signed up for um, in our, in faith or in marriage. And so um, it's, it's been a beautiful thing to learn and grow in, in that regard. But this was happening to me two weeks ago. I felt like seized by the Lord. Um, and that's actually where I heard, you know, uh, about the cup of joy and suffering. But it was this spirit of intercession that was upon me. God was, was ministering to me his, a sense of his heart for the lost. 
a sense of how he feels and grieves for those who he wants not to perish. Okay, so um, to go back into the the mission story, um, I met Jack at uh, a park, and Jack was missing most of his hand from an industrial accident. And um, I said to the Lord, Lord, do you want me to pray for Jack? And he said, I want you to do what's in the scriptures. Okay. It's like you could have just said yes. So, (laughs) and so um, I went up to Jack and asked if I could pray for him. And he was like, yeah, sure. He was real laid back. Um, And uh, I I shared, I felt led to share with him a story of a healing that I had recently seen. Uh, Natalie is here this morning. Um, Hi, Natalie. And uh, Natalie gave me permission to share this. She shared this firsthand testimony at the Franklin Avenue campus at one point. Um, So on the network night of worship, um, it was about a week after uh, Natalie had a stroke. And um, her symptoms were mental fog, pain, and almost no speech. And uh, as folks prayed for her, mental fog and pain completely left, and she got about 70% of her speech back. By the end of that night, her speech was fully recovered. Jesus healed her completely. Can we praise the Lord? That he heals today, that the healing that he won for us in the atonement was not just for the day in which he washed the, washed the disciples' feet, right? Just like Jake said, so was, so is it true um, that we're forgiven and can be cleansed today. So can we be healed by his power. I share this story with him, and um, he asked this kind of what seemed like a random question to me, uh, almost in res- direct response to the story. He said, Hey, why did Jesus say to the Father, why have you forsaken me? (laughs) Diana. Um, And what a beautiful... So when you go to pray for people, like, right, you you don't know if they're going to reject you. You don't know if if you have a sense of maybe something God's saying, maybe it's a bad word of knowledge, like, and you're not right. (laughs) You know, you just, you take these risks. You position yourself in weakness because his power is made perfect there. It's not where the magic is. It's where the real power is, right? (laughs) It's where the good power is, the power of God. And so, um, you know, I have no idea how this is going to go or what's going to... I don't know what he... I don't know if he's Buddhist. I don't know if he's, what you know, like anything about Jack and what he's going to say next. And so, but I'm trying to provoke hunger and to talk about the reality that this is not true for exceptional... uh, for people... Uh, who, for lead, this isn't true for leaders. I'm not separating and elevating, as I heard someone said. I'm saying this is our story. This is what, Brooks said it beautifully, that we all get to play, that we all can be trained in this, and that this is what God's doing through a nameless, faceless revival on the earth that exalts Jesus. Amen? And so... I am stumbling through this. I'm talking to him out of Isaiah 53 about God's redemptive plan through his perfect holiness and love. And we're talking about that, and I'm reading parts of that to him. And he says, you know, I've never felt God's presence. So we go to prayer, and I invited the Father's love, and he begins to breathe heavily and rock back and forth. And I said, Jack, what are you sensing? He said, I'm just sensing such a, sensing such a calm, and my hand often feels like it's still being crushed. And he said, and there's no pain. He said, there's no pain at all. The pain left. 
And we began to pray for he has back problems and leukemia, and we were praying for those things too, and he felt God's heat in his back, and um, God was manifesting his love to Jack that day, and he was feeling his presence for the first time. I got to just be, I've not seen Jack since, um, you know, I got to just join God in what he was already doing, and um, in God's love and pursuit of Jack. You know, the kingdom is received, released, and repeated. Received, released, and repeated. Some of you might feel like, well, I don't have much to give. So, um, but I would, I would propose that we give what we have. Think about the kingdom and how it works. Jesus said the woman who gave the mite, the, the little coin, that's all she had to give, and therefore she gave more than the others who gave. What about the boy who gave the, the two fish and the five loaves? Jesus multiplied it. He did the supernatural part. The boy just gave what he had. What about the, the widow who Jesus would talk about later in this passage who in obedience to the word of the Lord through Elijah gave of her last oil to him even though her and her son were about to die and the oil began to multiply and to flow. This is the way of the kingdom. Just give what you have. What do you have? What's in it? Kiara said it about a month ago. What's in your hand to give? What are your gifts? What are your passions? We want you to be released to do the dream that God's put in your heart. And that's part of what revival is, is creating structures and systems that serve that. If a worship leader can come up, is anybody here who can come up? It's okay if not. To play, yeah, to play. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate it. I want to close with this. You know, um, so Jesus <clears throat> says this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And before he said that, he said this phrase, it's the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, when Isaiah actually prophesied it, he said it's the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God. I thought, why didn't Jesus quote that last part of that verse? He didn't finish reading within that verse. It's because the day of the vengeance of our God was not fulfilled in, our, in their hearing that day, but it was fulfilled at the cross. You see, he who knew no sin became sin for us, and God's vengeance was poured out on sin. God's vengeance was poured out on Jesus. This is what Jack asked me about, right? <laughs> this is what Jack asked me about. He asked me, why did Jesus say, why did you forsake me? He felt that. He felt the sins of the world upon him and the wrath of God on that. Right? This was the burden that Jesus bore for us. This is the gospel message. That greater love has no one than this, than he who lays down his life for us. Amen? It's because Jesus laid it down for us. He could have taken up his authority, but he laid it down on Calvary. And he received that vengeance. But now the Father has exalted him to the highest place, even seated at his right hand 
with all authority in heaven and on earth. Think about it. We have his anointing because we're in Christ. And the Bible says his anointing is in us and it teaches us to remain in him. We have his authority because the Bible says that Jesus in all of heaven and on earth has all authority. And because of that, we are to go and make disciples. We have his faith because the Bible says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I live by faith in the Son of God. So Jesus faith in himself resides in you and me. And some of you might think, I don't have his faith for what he's done and who he is. The reality is we do. (laughs) The reality is we do, and any part of us that doesn't, God wants to align with truth and set us free to this reality of what we carry. It's good news, brothers and sisters, that Jesus came under the punishment of the Father instead of us and for our sake. Because now we, rather than coming under that punishment, we come under the anointing. We come under the anointing that breaks the yoke in our lives and breaks the yoke through us in the lives of others. Christ is the anointed one, and because we are in Christ, we are anointed. In fact, the Father's redemptive plan against sin and death on our behalf is the solution for every enemy attack against you and your anointing. It is finished. You're victorious. And I just want to speak these promises over you and then prophesy from Isaiah 61 and 55 over you as I close. All things work together for the good of you who are called and who love the Lord. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. If he's for you, then who can be against you? No weapon fashioned against you will stand. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I love that one. Paul was like, conquer is like a great word, but it's not enough for what you are. But I don't know what else to say about it. So I'm just going to (laughs) say, you're more than a conqueror. God is restoring in your life the years the locusts have eaten away. He's crushing Satan under your feet with his peace. You carry his anointing, authority, gifts, identity, and ministry. As Jared Boyer told me last week, it's a fixed fight, bro. His promises are yes, and our answer is amen, which means so be it. It also means most certainly. Let's receive and release the kingdom while it's called today. Uh, Brooke was saying that they're doing this in their missional community. Um, I'm hearing story after story of like the one that I, the ones that I just shared of what God's doing in people's lives and through their lives. If you guys can stand and just open your hands and receive this word of the Lord um, from the Bible. Sometimes we minister from truth and scripture. I'm just going to speak the word of God over you directly from the Bible this morning. We are receiving and giving Jesus ministry. If you can put up on the screen the next passage. So the people, you guys can look at it while it's spoken over you. You can let it really sink into your mind and heart. I don't know if it's there or not. If you go back, is there 
keep going. Yeah, yep, right there. There you go. Thanks, Caroline. We are receiving and giving Jesus' ministry to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called, the people you minister to will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. Guys, this is the billion soul harvest. The people from the harvest, Jesus said, go to the highways. He said, go to the byways. Go out and get them. The religious folk didn't want this. Go out and, and get the harvest, get from the harvest, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called. God's talking, guys, God isn't talking about slavery here. He's talking about, he's talking about just this lavish favor, this lavish grace that comes from being in Christ. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. This is from a dream, actually, this verse. A dream that uh, someone else shared with me this last year. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, I'm reminded of, as I close, this will be for the Lord's renown. Um, he said, to, it was either David or Solomon. Um, he said, I've made you king for Israel's sake. <laughs> right? It's not for you. It's for Israel's sake. And that's what it is to know who we are and whose we are. Amen. Thanks. Kiara. Um, in the middle of Steve's message, I felt the heaviness of the Lord, and it was like a like weightiness that was sitting on my chest 
and um, the impression that I got was that um, some of some of you hear God the same way Steve does. Some of you um, like see things over and over again, numbers, visions, dreams, open visions, all of those things that like could be considered weird. I'm not sure. Um, but I felt like the Lord highlighted you like um, there are lots of other people who hear God like this. I'm like, for some of you, it might have been hard to, like, track all the other stuff. For some of you, it's like, oh, man, somebody else's brain, like, does what my brain does. Um, I feel like the Lord uh, sees you and is activating you in that and wants you to trust him in that and to move in that. And so I bless you um, to operate fully in what has seemed weird forever, to walk fully and wholly and completely in every facet of how you hear the Lord. And I bless you in that. Um, and I call you forth. Do not quench that. Um, say other stuff about that God. I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, the second thing is, man, I was just so hit just now by the gospel. And that he, he just took our place. Like he, he took our sin. He bore our shame. Like he did it all. And so I just want to give us a, a chance to respond to the gospel um, because I don't just feel like it's for salvation, but it's for like, it's for salvation, but the complete salvation, like the complete restoration of your soul, the complete sanctification of your soul, your body, your spirit, and the complete intimacy between you and Jesus. Um, and so I just want to pray, I don't know, the gospel over you. And you listen for how Jesus is speaking the gospel to you. Even if you already been saved forever, he's speaking it again. Is this making sense? All right, let me pray. Um, Jesus, you came in total weakness as an infant and as a lamb. And in that weakness, you bore the sin of the entire world. You bore our sin. You took it on your back. You took it in your side and a crown on your head. You took it in your hands and your feet. You sweat blood and tears, Lord, as you bore the whole sin of the world. And you did it so that you could bear our sin, so that we wouldn't have the same place on the cross as you. You took our death place so that we could take your place in right relationship with Jesus. I mean, with the Father, co-heirs reigning with you. And so, Lord, now we receive your sacrifice. We receive your invitation to co-heir with you, to sonship with you, Lord. We receive the removal of shame, the removal of death, the removal of grave clothes, the removal of unforgiveness. We receive the removal of every fruit of the kingdom of darkness. We receive the removal of that whole cloak off of us now in Jesus' name. And in the same way, we receive the fruit of the Spirit, your love, your joy, your peace, 
your patience, your kindness, your gentleness, your goodness, your long-suffering. We receive them all now. In Jesus' name, amen.